0: Reconstruct Your Faith, a podcast where we talk about American Christianity and the growing trend of deconstruction. Awesome. Well, thank you for tuning in once again this week to Reconstruct Your Faith, and today we're going to be talking about something we see a lot in churches, and I have come up with this term of my own invention. Called behavior theology. And you might be saying, well, what is this? Behavior theology doesn't make any sense. You've never heard it before. It's not taught in seminary. Well, that's because, like I said, I made it up. But I think it's a pretty valid way to describe how some pastors and Christians seem to think about themselves and how they teach in the church. Yeah, this is when you have a Bible study or a sermon or a lesson, a youth group lesson, Sunday school lesson, whatever it may be, and the whole purpose is focusing on your behaviors. A lot of people, especially pastors will or church leaders, uh, will focus way too much on the behavior of Christians as if it was the morality of Christians. And the fact of the matter is, there's two different, those are two different things, behavior and morals. And really anything you do can be categorized into morals, uh, what you should do, what you have to do, what you need to do, what's good for you, what's bad for you, what you can do, and what you can't do. And you could take anything and file it away into any of those categories. The problem is, there are things a uh, very few, I, I would think, off the top of my head that you have to do, or must do, or things that you can't do. But for a pastor in a lot of churches on any given Sunday, everything is either what you can or can't do as a Christian. And that's just not true. See, there are a lot of actions that fall under this behavior category rather than morality. And maybe even not that. um, Your behavior can be influenced by your morals, your ethics, and your code. Many pastors treat Christians, church leaders alike, treat Christians with this one thing in mind. You've been saved. Your life has been changed by Jesus. You have a new code, a new standard that has been placed inside your heart. This is God's standard, and this should affect your behavior. And if it doesn't, there's something wrong with you. That's their formula of behavior theology. We focus on your behavior and determine that that reflects what's on the inside, and that's not true. So, let's get an example. Have you ever been sitting in church or youth group or Bible study, and they started talking about what Christians should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. And some of those things are like uh, watching R-rated movies or gossiping or swearing or playing certain video games even, depending on the age group, watching certain TV shows, things like that. And they really just take anything that's too secular and say you can't watch those. You're not allowed to watch those and if you do watch those you need to get your heart right with god you need to repent and you need to immediately stop watching those kind of shows or movies playing those kind of video games you need to stop gossiping at work you need to never say another swear word but really for one that has nothing to do with your salvation that's my main argument in this whole uh topic is that it has nothing to do with your salvation it has nothing with, to do with how you got saved And there's nothing you can do to affect your salvation from this point on, right? And so those actions, those things, probably best fit under uh, what you shouldn't, or maybe what's bad for you. Like, it's probably not good for you to watch certain R-rated movies. It's probably not good for you to... um, Watch certain TV shows that are too secular, too worldly. Um, You probably shouldn't get involved in conversations of gossip that spread rumors and lies. You probably shouldn't let certain words, certain language come out of your mouth. Well, why? Well, okay, so um, there is some truth a lot to what you see uh gets put into your body, into your mind, and goes to your heart, and then that comes out. Jesus talks about that. And so, that's why a lot of times when it comes to sin, things that are, uh, that's, that, for example, when he said, when you lust after a woman, you've, cre- you've um, committed adultery. It no longer is as bad as doing the actual action, but just looking is the same, right? And so, it's the same thing when it comes to watching things. I'm not saying you've committed whatever you watched. I'm just saying whatever you watch goes into your body, and then it's going to come out. And and it's probably not good. It's probably not helpful or beneficial to let those things come in. That is how it should be said. These things are not good or beneficial for you. Now, does that mean that your salvation is affected if you choose to do these things? No. Does that mean that we think that uh, less of you if you chose to
1: do some of these things? No. But
0: will we be concerned if you keep choosing? Or maybe would we be concerned uh, if it doesn't bother you? Or maybe we start seeing a change in how you're acting. Maybe you start doing a lot of gossiping. Maybe you start, you know, letting loose with your mouth and you got a lot of swear words coming out or whatever. Gosh, that sounded very VBS, right? Um,
1: so middle school. But,
0: you know, there, there's a point where I think the church who feels... Responsible church leaders feel responsible for guiding um, the flock. (laughs) Is keeping them away from harmful behaviors. So there's some there's some things that could be harmful to you. But where they go wrong is they condemn and they uh, prohibit you from doing anything harmful. And if you do, they make you out to be the bad guy, that there's something wrong with you and you need to be rededicated, rebaptized, maybe even exercise a demon out of you. Um, Man, you're just on the, headed down the wrong path, right? But there are some people who have no problem with watching TV shows that are secular. There are some people that have no problems with watching R-rated movies. For example, we watch regular adult TV. That doesn't diminish anything about our relationship with God. But guess what? The church still focuses, focuses on your behavior based on the choices you make, because if this doesn't bother you, and you don't choose to quit watching the show or the movie or playing the video game or whatever, if you don't make that choice, then they still condemn you. Because it seems like for church leadership, like I said, they just want to keep—they want to prohibit all bad actions— no matter what they are, and they want to um, treat everything as black and white as you can or you cannot. And that's just simply not true. We know this because Paul says that everything is lawful for me, but not everything is edifying. Not everything is beneficial. Not everything will build me up. Not everything is good. It's just like, you know... Um, I can eat any food I want, but I probably shouldn't eat the poisonous stuff. I probably shouldn't eat expired food. Because it's going to poison me, right? And so you just have to take what you are personally convicted about, what you personally feel um, is not good or right. Now, there are also actions and behaviors that go against our morals as Christians. We have a certain moral code. And there are certain things that we don't want to do, morally speaking. Not because it's just not good for us to be in the habit of doing, but it's because it's bad. Things like lying and cheating, gossiping.
1: Right? Those are just some easy examples off the top of my head. But this is something that I really have a hard time with when it comes to the church. Is that they focus on our behavior way too much.
0: And I've come to a point in my spiritual walk that I am certain that if I had a pastor just follow me around every day, or for one day, 24 hours. He would probably say, I wasn't a Christian, that I need to be saved because my life doesn't look like what he says a Christian should look like. But how does he get that choice? How does he get that authority to say so? Just because I don't look like a pastor doesn't mean I'm not a Christian. I'll go one step further. Just because my life doesn't look like a pastor's life doesn't mean that it doesn't look like a Christian life. We've done
1: so bad at equivocating, I'm not sure if that's
0: a word, I'm going to stick with it though, the life of a pastor, full-time ministry person, church leader, how they live, and assume and make it out to be that that's what a life of a Christian looks like. In fact, the reality is the life of a Christian looks like a blue-collar, Working man, maybe a stay at home mom, maybe an office working mom, maybe a career woman with kids, and they come home and they have a stress filled night at home, getting the homework done, getting the kid in the bath, dinner cooked, dishes cleaned, got to do the laundry. Also, kind of want to sit down and watch a little bit of TV and relax. Maybe our kid got in trouble and now we've got to discipline them. Maybe we need to have a talk with them. See the normal person is what the Christian life looks like. We have got to break this idea and this mindset that the Christian life looks like a pastor. You know what really grinds my gears, the the one thing I hate the most when pastors use this example in churches is when they talk about how, oh, you know, I was, well, here, I'll give you their story. Well, I came up here to the church and I was working on something outside and some man walked by and asked me for some change and I said, no, I don't have any money, but I can bring you inside and give you some drink here. I've got some some water or some tea or something in the church kitchen.
1: How about I tell you about Jesus? And you know what? I'm going to invite you to church on Sunday, and I hope you'll be there. Man, he started crying, and he got saved. We baptized him right there in a puddle. He was too excited. Okay, I I exaggerated and went too far.
0: My point is, let's look at the reality of that story. Let's just put this into some kind of perspective. Let me show you my cynical perspective. Ready? This guy, whose only responsibility is just listening to people,
1: praying for people, getting a
0: 45-minute speech ready a week. And if he's any good, he probably does multiple speeches. I'm being cynical about sermons. Bear with me. Probably has multiple speeches, multiple lessons, and he's probably planning in the future. And I'll give him credit for that. And he's probably dealing with some administrative uh, stuff in the office. I get it. But his workday is free to do what he wants and do what he pleases. In fact, if he spent all day out of the office talking to people about Jesus, he'd be doing his job. But that's the thing. See, pastors get this unique perspective of getting to go tell someone about Jesus, and then having this persecution, or maybe having this, oh man, I, I don't know what the Lord's doing, and oh, God told me this, and I just really felt like God was leading me to do this, and I did this crazy thing. I, I took out all my money in my wallet, and I gave it to him, just praying that he, you know, would would, would uh, see this as a kind gesture and, and see Jesus in me giving him the wallet, right? And hoping that he doesn't steal my identity. Oh, man. Oh, man.
1: See, the life of a pastor is carefree,
0: and they use the writings of Paul to give them strength because they see them as Paul.
1: But man, Paul was,
0: I mean, Paul was traveling. He was a tent maker and he traveled to cities that were pagan and he taught Christianity. And they amazingly believed because the Lord and the Holy Spirit was working through him and they were working on the hearts of these people and they would set up a church. And then he would go to the next town and he'd write letters Back to that church or whatever. He'd stay with them and help set up this established community of a church. But you,
1: you're in an established building in a pretty free country. No one hates you.
0: And you just get up there on Sunday morning, give your speech. Everyone loves it. They clap. They cry. They go on to their week of normal, everyday, American life. While you may not make a ton of money, and you may not have tons of materialistic wealth, but you still have a pretty good, really good, easy, carefree life. Sorry about that rant. But the point of that is, if that's how your life is, and there's nothing wrong with it, I, I'm, I'm not ranting to say that there's something wrong with it. Don't misconstrue that. I think that's great, and I think that's how a pastor's life should be, because they can have hardships, and they can have trials going through uh, to be a pastor. It's, it's, it's not easy to have that job, but their life is easy. The point is, of course their life should look like that. Of course, their life should be filled with one moment to the next, God leading them to to talk to someone and do mission work and evangelize and all kinds of stuff like that. But that doesn't mean that's what our lives look like because we have normal lives. We're not in full-time ministry.
1: And, of course, they'll talk
0: down to us and try to tell us that uh, we're all in full-time ministry, and we're all on the, on the front lines of the mission field. And I'm not knocking it, but I, I just want to get
1: out there that our behavior is not going to
0: line up with the behavior of a pastor. And it shouldn't, because we're not pastors. Pastors have a higher standard
1: ethically. Not morally, we all have the same moral
0: code, but ethically, there's some things that they should should do. That they should work on their behavior to that it matches the morality that we all have because of their ethical codes
1: of being a pastor. But us normal folk, the lay person, everyday Christians,
0: your behavior does not need to be graded. You do not need to make your behavior and lifestyle match that of a pastor, match that of anyone in the Bible, or match that of anything your pastor says it should look like. And churches and leaders should start teaching and molding and encouraging in morality,
1: teaching a truth that we can't escape, that there is a moral
0: code in the Bible that that we should believe and we should trust because this world right now we live in in this country is losing its morals and we need to emphasize our morals and values
1: and then let the people
0: match their behaviors ever so slightly and on their own terms to their morals and values. Let them, let the Holy Spirit do His thing and and teach and guide everyone individually to reflect their morals and values through their behavior. But this behavior theology of shaming the church and shaming people for how they act because they're not acting like a Christian, well, guess what? I wasn't called to act like a Christian. I was called out of death into life to be alive and to be the Christian. I am a Christian. I am saved. I am redeemed. I want to thank you again for listening. And um, if you want more, we'll talk more about this behavior theology. Actually, do some TikToks. If you want to follow me on t- TikTok, just look up Reconstruct Your Faith. Um, one of them I did was called Evil Shaming. And this kind of had the same mindset, uh, same um, idea here that we talked about today was that the church is constantly shaming us as believers for our behavior and calling it wicked and evil. And then we feel like we're wicked and evil because we did that just the other day, right before I came to church. Churches focus way too much on our behavior. And I don't know if they know it or not, but the behavior of a Christian does not affect their salvation whatsoever. It doesn't affect whether God loves them, it doesn't affect whether they need to make their life right with God. It doesn't do anything. God's not mad or disappointed. He's not sitting there ready to punish you or discipline you. This isn't something that, oh, you messed up. It's not a mess up. Does God like it? Probably not. But God is holy. Does that mean you shouldn't do it? Probably. Does that mean you can't do it? No. Anyway, if you like this episode, be sure to follow and uh, get more content. That's all I have for today, so um, make sure to like us on Facebook. Um, Join the Facebook group if you want to, where we can have more discussions. You can be on top of announcements and news and updates. And give us a rating. It'd be great. Appreciate you. And uh, yeah, see you next time. I'm out. Here's the outro.